Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the Where Is The Love podcast produced by myself and the good people at the IRAN Network. I am your host, Salahuddin Nemli. And today we're going to be talking about protecting Black women. First of all, everybody, I want to say thank you for showing up to this spot right here. I appreciate you coming out every week, every other week. You know what I mean? And uh, how's everybody doing today? Love, love. Everything is love. Good, good, good. Everybody all right? All right, so... Uh, I want to start by reading, uh, just reading some numbers real quick. So, right now it says one in four black girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18. 35% of black women experience some form of contact sexual violence during their lifetime. In the U.S., 38% of black women experience sexual violence other than rape during their lifetime. Among students, 11% of black girls in, nas- in a national high school sample reported have been raped. 40% of confirmed sex trafficking survivors in the U.S. are black. 17% of black women experience sexual violence. Oh, my bad. African-American girls and women 12 years and older experience higher rates of rape and sexual assault than white, Asian, Latin girls and women from two 2005 to 2010, 40 to 60% of black women report being subject to coercive sexual contact by the age of 18. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, one in five black women survivors are, are, are survivors of rape. And that's just on that scale. But then we get into some other statistics where it's like at least... 40% of black women have domestic violence cases with their partners, and a lot of them end up being murdered by people close to them, you know what I'm saying, by men on the street who are not giving them the time of day or just the men that they are with. I've been reading some stories today that was just like, you know, there's so many black women out there being murdered by their husbands, their ex-boyfriends, just dudes that's trying to talk to them on the street. And this is happening consistently. So now when they say the black woman isn't protected, these numbers are showing that, you know what I'm saying? It's a real reflection and we can say, all right, that's just because of the proximity of who they're around when it comes to being protected by black from black men or have all their people that assault them are black men. We can say that's the reason why, because things happen in the proximity that you're around, correct? But also, it it begs the notion of to say what is happening in our community that this is a consistent thing that's happening. It's so many cases that I see on on YouTube, Instagram, or whatever. This recently, this kid was trying to talk to some girl. She said no, I guess, but he hit her in the face with a skateboard. And then there's another video of a couple of guys talking to this girl and then they, they cut to the next thing and they throw a shorty in the garbage can. You know what I'm saying? And then it's, it's just so many cases and so many videos like this. And it just makes you say, what the heck is going on? You know what I mean? So how, how, how are we feeling about what what are we doing? Uh, I want to interject right quick. Um, concerning the uh the clip with with uh, the multiple the multiple young men, 
where they tossed the young lady in the um in the dumpster. There's actually a, a backstory behind that. According to the situation, um, all the all the males in question were minors, and the woman who or the young lady who had approached them, she was about 18, 19, or whatever the case may be. But the point is, you know, she was considered senior, considered a senior or a graduate, whereas the young males were considered at least freshmen or sophomore. But anyways, what had happened was the young lady tried to holler. And they has and one of them has said no, and one thing led to another. And I guess even though the males they handled the situation the wrong way, they felt the best way to defend themselves against what they perceived as a predator was to toss it in the um in the uh, in the dumpster. In no way, shape, form, or fashion am I justifying their actions. I'm just bringing forth the backstory behind that because that clip has definitely been circulating all over the place, and a lot of people did get uh, 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 preconceived notions about the video. They took it as Oh, these men just jumped this young lady. Hmm. I, I feel what you're saying. I mean, that's okay. So you got the backstory on that, right? And like you said, yeah, that, in, no way, in no way, shape, form, or fashion, am I justifying the actions of the young men? I'm not saying they were right at tossing yeah. her into the dumpster. I'm just merely trying to bring context as to the reason why they did that. Because again, this was an older young lady. I guess you could say she considered a grown man, grown woman, and the the males in question, they were minors. They were at least 15, 15, 16, maybe 17 years old, probably the oldest. But the young lady herself, she was at least 18 or 19. So she's clearly older than these males. And again, she tried to holler at them. One of them was not interested. One thing led to another. And again, the males felt compelled to defend themselves of what they perceived to be as a female predator. Okay. You think they saw her as a female predator? Was she cute? <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how she looked. The fact nah, that it do it do matter because to me that's probably where the dis the, the disrespect came into. Because I, I don't know anybody at 15, 16, if a chick try to holler at them, they're gonna be looking at them like a female predator. Like I ain't raised in that. I so I not, doubt that's that's what it was. Not unless they actually have uh uh actual guidance and actual have actual parents raising them because I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, if she if she's pretty, you're going to holler, whatever the case may be. And that's cool as far as us, as far as how we grew up is concerned. I'm 30, just to let you know. But nowadays, a lot of parents are not tolerating predators of any kind. They're not even tolerating the female kind. So they don't even care if uh, uh, if you're if you're 19, 20, 21, 22 and you're attractive as hell. Someone will tell you straight up, stay the fuck away from my son. And I don't care how old he looks. Yeah. I don't know if that's a predator though. Like she's nineteen and they sixteen. That's a three year difference. I mean, like that's don't, I don't look at that even as a predator. Still, that's still, that, that's not a predator. That's not a predator. I get what you're saying, but legal, legally speaking, we ain't talking. But we know. But we, I mean, legally, we talking. But you said you speaking of what their mind state was. I don't think that's fair because I don't think you can speak of their mind state. I, I doubt that they was looking at her like a predator. I mean, I, I just think. I think it's probably more or less it probably some words that was exchanged and they felt disrespected because a woman was probably saying something out the way to them and they like fuck it, throw it in a garbage can. Uh, more than likely, I'm not in no way, shape, again, in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I justifying their actions because again, I don't know their mind state as well. Yeah. I was just bringing forth a backstory and trying to bring some clarity to the situation because again, when that video circulated, a lot of people took offense to that. A lot of people would do, you know, pretty much just saying, oh, the guys were in the wrong blatantly. They didn't care. They didn't care whether uh, the young lady had accosted them or she was disrespectful towards them or even didn't even care about the age. 
All they saw was a black woman getting tossed in the dumpster. They saw what they perceived as black men tossing them into the dumpster, tossing them into the dumpster, and that automatically equates to, okay, we need to do our best to protect black women type shit, which I get. But again, bringing context to the video, it's like, oh, maybe there's some reasons why that situation had played out the way it did. We don't, again, I don't agree with the, the young men tossing the young lady into the dumpster, but you know, again, I'm just bringing context to the situation. Because sometimes, because sometimes we got to do our own little bit of research. We sometimes have to really check the facts instead of just going with what social media has done sometimes, which is sensationalize a lot of things. Well, for me, I've been in situations where I've been quote unquote disrespected by women or whatever, older, younger, doesn't matter. Never once did it cross my mind to hit this woman to throw this woman in the dumpster, to push her in front of a bus, whatever it is, it never crossed my mind to lay hands on a woman, period, let alone a black woman. And I've been in case of point. I'm in high, I'm in junior high school, date my little girlfriend or whatever. And she pulled up on a block on her bike and we was talking or whatever. And then she pulled up mad for whatever reason. I, I was just like, all right, whatever, cool. So we talking and she's like, whatever, I'm leaving. I'm like, hope oh, you going? Like, just like trying to get her to just speak to me or whatever. And I got my hands on the bike because that's what we was doing already. And I'm talking like, she was like, she's just like, yo, get off, get off. I'm like, yo, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? And then she smacked me hard. Like my whole, I looked to the other side and was like, in my head, I'm like, yo, she just hit open palms, smacked me in my face. Wow, crazy on my block. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like hard. Mm. And mm, I sat there for like two seconds and I was just like, you know what? All right. I let go of the bike, walked home. Just never, never said anything to her again after that. Mm-hmm. Now, some people like I had, now my mother has said to me, I don't care what happens. If a woman, if a girl put their hands on you, anybody put their hands on you, you hit them back, right? Agreed. But in my mind, even still, because my father was like, yo, don't put your hands on women. So in my mind, I'm like, yo, I just got disrespected to the highest level. Do I punch this girl in her face now? Do I smack her back? No. I was like, you know what? No matter what, take that L because either way, it's on. It's going to be like, yo, you wow for just like going at her like that. No, there's ways you could have went. There's ways you could have went about that. Like I would have gave her a nice stern shaking. I probably wouldn't have slapped her head off, but she sure as hell would have got shook the fuck up. Like you can't hit me and think that's a that's like a violation, fam. Like I don't do all of that hitting shit. Like we could have it out, talk, but the moment you start putting your hands on somebody, I'm gonna shake the shit out you. Like you gotta know his limits to this shit. I, 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 I growing up, I've had some very dreadful experiences with the opposite sex. I've had women spit on me. I've had women toss stuff at me. Mm-hmm. Well, girls, so you're afraid that not women, but I've had girls spit on me. I've had girls toss stuff at me. I've had girls do wild, crazy shit to me. And I will admit, in half of those cases, I really did have to defend myself. The young lady who, who, spit, who spat on me, I smacked the shit out of her. I'm not going to lie to her. Um, and a few other young ladies who have tossed stuff at me, one of them tossed a brick at me. And uh, another one in question, I can't. I think she tossed a chair. 
the one who tossed the chair at me, I'm not gonna lie, I had to run up on her right quick. I did not, I did not, I did not hit her, but I had to run up on her and let her know that's not something that you do. So I, but brother, I wholeheartedly give you coming from in terms of not really trying to put your hands on the opposite sex. I feel you on that. However, some girls in, and now in this case, because we're grown now, some women, they do take it out of context. They actually abuse the fact and, and really wholeheartedly know for certain that if, you know, if a man do try to defend themselves, more than likely he's going to lose his life. If not, he's going to wind up in the hospital. Even yeah. though, he, even though he was in the right for defending himself. Can I jump in just to add? I don't know if y'all can hear me. Yeah, we go. Uh, on. Okay, bye. All right. So it, it's funny that you said what you say. Yeah, I apologize for no cam right now. Uh, it's funny that you said what you said about how your mom was like. You know, if anybody put their hands on you. So my mom always used to say, "If don't hit first. <laughs> she was like, "Let whoever's doing whatever they're doing." Do it first, so that way you are the one defending them yourself. But she also then said, if a woman want to act like a man or if a girl want to act like a boy, you treat her like a boy in terms mm -hmm. of putting her hands on me. That's mm -hmm. how I grew up. Now, I never, like, outright, okay, I'm going to give you two, three scenarios real quick. Uh, middle school, reaching into a tray of, like, Rice Krispie treats for, for a friend of mine. She handed them out. This girl slapped my hand. I was like, what are you doing? Like, so she was like, back up. So I do it again, she slapped my hand again. She was like, back up, I told you da 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 She wasn't the one with the trees, she's just another girl. Um, we cool now, but anyway. So third time she slapped my hand, I grabbed her by the shoulders and I shoved her like eight feet into the lockers and she fell down. I said, you wanna act like a man? I'm gonna treat you like a man. I never had a problem with her after that, right? Of course not. No, next, 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 next situation, um, I had to tee off on my cousin one day when we was younger. I, she bop, bop, bop. She used to pick on me when I was younger. And then she, we got on, we was on a church bus one day and she, she tried to hit me with the oo-wop, <laughs> right? And then I had some reach at that point. I grew a little bit taller and I grabbed her by the throat, put her in the seat and just held her there. She couldn't breathe, she couldn't move, but she never messed with me after that. We grew closer. Now, fast forward, my ex, whom mm. I've had children with, used to physically punch me in my face while I was asleep, threatened what? to stab me with scissors, and pretend she was going to harm herself. All of these things were like physical and mental abuse towards me. Most people don't know it because I don't talk about it because I've protected her image for like 20 years. Mm. Um, one day I lost my cool. One time I slapped her uh, because she was doing some blatant disrespectful shit to me. And another time I like, I punched her in her leg. But I've never after that put my hands on anybody. But it was a period of about two years of her constantly doing that, that literally tipped me to a breaking point and I snapped. So it's difficult sometimes when somebody is constantly putting their hands on you and you're a man for you to always take it and just be like, nah, 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 I can't hit a woman. I can't touch a woman. I can't put my hands on a woman because I eventually literally snapped because I got tired of it. Now, granted, that was 2001. 
And I, <laughs> I was mad long ago. I was young. I was in college. We just had our kids and she was like poking a beehive forever. But I feel like the situation is circumstantial depending upon what happens to you. Because like the brother was saying, sometimes they know you're not going to retaliate. And so they escalated. And that's what happened to me. And I didn't think she was going to escalate it like that. But the constant punching me in my face at night and then stabbing scissors next to my head to pretend like she's going to stab me, like eventually I snapped. So I'm just saying, you know, it's contextual sometimes. Not saying, you know, it's right or wrong, but you got to bring context into it, whatever the search, the situation or circumstances. That sounded like a mental illness. Mm. That sounded like some sort of mental illness. It, it, it is. It, it definitely does sound like that. And brother, I want to wholeheartedly thank you for sharing that because uh, unfortunately, this is this is a reality for a lot of brothers in, in, in the community. There are some brothers who are, I wouldn't necessarily say they're terrified, but they, they have to reserve themselves, so to speak. Um, well, you know, with, with being involved with these particular kinds of women, especially the women that they've established families with women that they've had children with. So it's like, it's, it's, it's real troublesome to know that, you know, uh, some brothers is actually dealing with this. Like you said, like you getting punched in your sleep, in your face while you're sleeping. And she's had, and on numerous occasions, she's poking your head with scissors as if she's going to stab you. And you've tolerated that. Uh, or rather, you've took it, not tolerated, but you took it. And uh, I, I really want to thank you for sharing that because, Another thing, uh, another reason why I also want to thank you is because a lot of people got this notion that domestic violence only uh, that that only women can be victims of domestic violence. Failing to realize that it's not just women who are victims of domestic violence; it's also men who are victims of domestic violence. And also, what people fail to realize is that actual number one victims of domestic violence, as far as families is concerned, is the children. Why? Because they bear witness to that shit every day. That's a fact. Yeah, that's true. When it comes to domestic violence, it's the same thing as like um, domestic violence against men goes into the same category for people when it comes to men being molested by women or, you know what I mean, or being quote unquote raped by women. They look at it like fam, man up. That's it. We don't we don't really get any leeway with that. But um. Going back to, to not saying we was off topic, but we got these situations that we was talking about just now that's all circumstantial. And you was giving light to the situation with the um, girl being put in the dumpster. I agree with her. I'm not going to lie. At 15, 16, even with people in there, and when they walk down the street, there's 15, 16, 17 year old men, little boys trying to holler at them. Like, yo, 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 yo. So it is a. The, the way shorty look is it does come into play but outside of that what are we doing about the situation that's not like that where was, where the ahead. girl say no i don't want to talk to you and she gets shot in her head. well that's 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 a, that's got a lot to do with how people are raised um, i don't I don't look. I don't. I don't, I don't know because I mean I hear the stats, but I didn't. I never actually been witness to anything like that. So when I hear about guys not being able to handle rejection, 
I hear more of that within the within the relationship than in with a strong a woman that's not a strength. That's that's somebody that's I don't see that. Like I've never and maybe because I handle it like I don't care. But I think that has a lot to do with how they raised up. You know what I'm saying? I think it starts in that home. If well, they're not if yeah. they're not I don't know what I'm hearing. I'm hearing something, but I don't if they're not raised in a home where they know value of people. Like, I don't think it's a matter of how to interact with women. I think it's about self-value. You got to have some type of self-value in order for you to value other people. If you don't look at yourself like much, you're not going to look at other people as, as much either. Um, so that's my perspective on a lot of that. You know, we we always had some level of self-awareness and some confidence about us. So we never felt like we needed to treat anybody less than or or feel like someone had to be subservient to our advances. Like, it was just like, all right, well, whatever. Yeah. I was going to say, can I ask for for, uh, just clarity? Uh, So we're talking about if somebody's approaching a woman and they get rejected in terms of men and how they handle that rejection, like how we would respond to the negative handling of rejection. We're this 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 episode is to talk about the protecting the protection of the black woman. Mm -hmm. No, started with the stats of the domestic violence, the rape cases. And mm-hmm. then we went into the things that we're seeing constantly. Now, I don't know if it's because hot you ain't been. I don't know because you you've not been out here, but I know that like for instance on the um the, the 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 video I just put out for this one of the girls on that video, she was at the Labor Day joint the the celebration before Labor Day. Dude try to holler at her which they all do all up and down the strip on Labor Day, Juve, whatever. She was like, nah, decline. Son, shot her. And oh, I know what you're talking about. And this is like, and then you go on the Ave, you, if you stand on the Ave for like 10 minutes, these are grown men, mm-hmm. like 35, 40, whatever, hollering at these girls that's coming out of high school and junior high. They don't know the difference between their age. They don't even care. And they hollering at them and then they say no. And then like, yo, F you, da 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 and they get real, real aggressive. Let me that turns into violence. Let me let me jump in on that. And I agree. And you know what I I I, uh, I attribute it to a hive mind bandwagon mentality. Like if you were around a bunch of people that don't speak up about it and condone it, you naturally gonna think it's okay and you're gonna continue to. So those people on the Ave and them dudes who be at the parade, you ever pay attention, they all run in the same circles and all their friends is okay with them doing that. But if you had, let's say it was a group of six people and two people was acting like super stupid and doing stuff like that, but the other four was like us and was like, nah, y'all gotta chill, y'all gotta cut that out, guaranteed, they might be like, oh, we we just playing, but eventually they'll straighten their act out when they're around company that's different. It's the type of company they keep. And then here's the problem, right? So you as an individual, me as an individual, we have a risk assessment we got to take. If it's a group who's popping off like that, of you stepping in, because that high mind mentality and that ego then takes a whole other transformation and they get offended. Like, who's this dude telling me what to do? Now you're a target. Now they want you for you coming at them. It's a weird transfer of energy because you just say, no matter what you do in that situation, you save the woman from being accosted, right? But now you 
have to defend yourself because that energy is now placed in a different way, in a stronger way on you. Because now it's like I got to prove you can't tell me what to do. And usually that's the energy I've seen and or experienced when I've had to say something to a dude who I felt like was being disrespectful or coming out of their face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to interject on that one, um, not only is it uh, the combination of the high mentality, but it's also most definitely the combination of the upbringing as well. And I wholeheartedly insist that it's the upbringing, mainly because of personally for me growing up, I bore witness to that shit, too. You know, young brothers trying to holler at the sister. It doesn't go their way. You know, oh, it's F-U-B-I and all this other, and all this other stuff. And then come to find out when you sit down and talk to these cats. They don't even get the necessary amount of t- uh, the the required attention that they should get from the household. Either they either their moms is doing God knows what, or the father is not present, or even worse, both parents are just you know flat out negligent. Uh, uh, and the only time that the that the child actually gets some kind of parental concern or parental love is from that of their aunts, uncles, or, or grandparents. But yeah, as far as the males is concerned, yeah, um, uh, I will say, uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us have been silenced in the household. And if we don't have any positive male role models around, not even just our fathers, sometimes it doesn't even have to be our fathers. If our uncles who are positive aren't present, if our older male cousins aren't present, if we're not uh, involved with sports or music or any extracurricular activities, and if there's no positive male role models present, then unfortunately um, the young men is gonna be doing some wild, crazy, disrespectful shit. And they're gonna be in all in the acts not their actions, but their reactions to rejection is just basically a desperate cry for help. It's sad and it's not healthy, but it's it, at the end of the day, it's still a desperate cry for help. What do you, so what do, you th- do for the for the sisters? I mean, because I think we we men been talking about it, but we talking about the protection of women. Like, what would they feel they would want or need? And there's some women in this room, so we definitely would like to hear from you. Okay. Yes. At any point now. <laughs> I was gonna let somebody else talk first. Wait, let somebody yeah, let somebody else go. Cause I don't what are you what are you okay, I'll go, go ahead, get it. So I mean it's dealt with every day. Like even with me and I'm 30, I still deal with it. Like it's just sometimes you try to reason with it. Like, okay, maybe he was in a household like this or whatever, but in that moment. You don't. And a lot of females aren't like me. They're not aggressive. So they can't battle back and forth with the dude. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm walking down the street and a dude try to talk to me and I'm like, no, thank you. Then he gets aggressive. Me, I'm with I'm with it. I want all the smoke. Yeah. yeah. A lot of females are like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. But so it's like you you see they'll just look and they'll just dismiss it all oh, they just arguing they doing this and at that point you do feel like damn nobody got my back like you clearly see what's going on you're not going to tell him oh don't relax even the people you wait or something like yeah you don't want to get involved in other people's stuff but it's like as a female you don't want to feel cornered Yes. You don't want to feel like, oh, okay, nobody has my back. Nobody's going to look out for me. Because if he smacked the shit out of me right now, I'm just going to be smacked. Like, no one's going to stop him. No one's going to talk to him. No one's going to pull him away. No one's going to pretend like they with me. None of that. So it's just, it's hard for us to say what, well, for me, 
it's hard to say what can be done because over the years I learned to adjust and how to handle it myself. Mm. Well, so it's like, I can't say, Oh, I'd rather the male do this. Cause it's like, now I'm at a point where it's like, I don't even need it. Like if they want to smoke, they want to smoke. Like it's whatever. Like some females adjust to doing it themselves. And it's like having this forum to talk about it. It's like, maybe we can see what can happen. Like what can, cause at this point I'm just like, Ain't nothing can happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Something, something definitely can happen, and something will happen. It's just types of conversations and types of understanding that can have. Not just over here. You know what I mean? They need to be in different areas. They need to be expanded upon. Now, I've been in like three situations like this because I ride the train at like two thirty in the morning. And I see, I've seen everything. I've seen so much. Like I see, I was on the train one time, and I've always got my headphones and I'm bopping. But when I see, I, I'm always aware of my surroundings. So when I see something that looks a little funny, I turn my music off, or turn whatever I'm watching off just to pay attention to see what's going on. So I see dude, and he like he arguing with his girl. He all up on her, like yeah, da, 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 like talking to her, or whatever. And she's sitting there with the sad face. I'm like, hold on, let me turn this off. Because if I, I don't know what's about to happen, you know what I mean? So he's like, he's just talking mad crazy to like, yo, I'll kill you on this train. And da 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 And telling her like, yo, I'll kill you right now. And I'll kill everybody on here too if they try to step in. da 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 And I'm just like, yeah. I'm just, and I'm just sitting there like, I would, I just peep in the situation to see what's really about to happen. Because I'm not going to let this woman die on this train. But then... She, he moved his seat, and then she started talking crazy to him. So I'm like, all right. I, like, that's one of those. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is just this is y'all every day, I guess, because that's what this is. And then yeah. another situation on the train, dude was talking wild crazy to this girl, and she just had the head down, whatever, whatever. And he's just telling her, he's like, yo, you a bum. This talking her, talking her crazy. I'm like, what is happening? Come to find out. He was putting all this work with her, talking to her, getting her a job, trying to do all this stuff for her, and she cheated on him, like, recently. So he was tight at that, and he was like, yo, I'm not even going to... And I'm, look, I'm like, bro, please... He starts standing up, pacing. I'm like, oh, my God, please do not hit this woman on this train. But then he got up and just left the car. And he was like, I'm not even going to do it, because I, like, I know my word and let her... And then he just left the train. He was super mad, though. So it's like certain situations, it's kind of murkers in the, in that situ in those situations. I'm I'm like my heart pumping. I'm like, oh my god, what's about to happen? I don't know if she gonna wild out. Do I step in? Do I not step in and just let it happen? How would I feel about that? Recently, going to the store, there's this um this guy that used to come into Walgreens all the time, stealing. His name is Greg, and I know him. Like I know him from coming to Walgreens, and I talked to him and all that, and trying to get him to stop on some yo. You making me look bad as the black men type stuff. So I just hear this woman in the store. I'm walking past the store. I see a bag fly. I'm like, all right, what the heck was that? So then I see Greg out of nowhere. He's like, yo, get my bag. What you doing? Go get my bag. And then he, the girl is in the store, some girl in the store, screaming her head off, like, no. I'm like, yo, what the heck is going on? So he walk up, he walked in the store. I hear more screaming. I stopped. I turn around, I'm like, what the heck? Then Greg come out the store and 
he's talking to the girl, like, yo, just get my bag. And they going back and forth. And, da, da, da. and in my mind, I'm like, now, do I go over there? I'm like, yo, Greg, what are you doing? But I also know that Greg is a fiend. So I can't, I don't know. I don't know where he at right now. I don't know where his mind is at right now. Because Greg carries. He carries weapons. He carries tasers. He carries everything. So now I'm like, do I step up to Greg and be like, yo, chill? And risk him not being in his right mind and him back out on me? Or do I just keep walking? You know what I'm saying? I ended up walking. I just kept walking. I'm like, yo, my wife hungry. Let me go to the store and not get caught up in no nonsense. I got a kid at the crib. I come back. Shorty's in Greg's face now. I don't know if it was a long screwdriver or a knife. But she was in his face with that. So I'm like, yo, what is going on? And these are the types of things that we got to understand. Like, we can't just be jumping out the window like that as much mm-hmm. as we would like to. We can't. It's like uh, certain situations you feel helpless. Like, I don't want to say we can't and it's impossible, but it's, it's just a weird a weird ground right now. It's a, a period in general. Can I, can I throw something in uh, real quick? Oh, go ahead, brother. So, so somebody had wrote a post and it said, if you see a woman being beaten by a nigga and she's not asking for help, do you help and how? Like, I, this is literally today. And I was like, interesting. Let me see what people write. This woman wrote, this one sucks. I've been the woman in the situation. And half the time someone stepping in meant I'm going to be in way more danger later. She could be with this man and not have the resources to leave him or any other number of obstacles that would mean he could find and hurt her again and punish her for letting someone else interfere. I feel like the short answer is yes. Ask if she needs help or step in. Interfere on some level, but if she asks you not to, respect it because she's protecting herself in the long run, which is something else I think we often don't consider, like whether or not they're going to end up back together again, not back together like, oh, they broke up and they together, but like if they live in the same household, if they see each other regularly, like now that you've stepped in and you've saved her, is he going to take the anger out that he couldn't on you plus the anger he had on her out on her? Like, does it compound? Like, and I feel like a lot of that comes into play and it makes it so difficult to judge stuff. And then it just makes it look like for a lot of people who are thinking like that, either they're helpless or we can't do anything or it's unsolvable. So I, don't, I just wanted to throw that out there as a portion of something to think with respect to. Uh, I want to respond to Yoko right quick. Um, just just for the record, I'm actually doing my best to try to bring as much context as possible towards uh, the situation at hand concerning us as men. Because, again, like, you know, some of us grew up in certain households where we weren't even we weren't allowed to have a voice. Hell, we weren't even allowed to be physically present, to be honest with you. Just the mere fact that we were born a male. But uh, the solution to that, uh, it, it's, a, it's a two-part solution. Solution number one, niggas need to go to fucking third. They, they, they need to do some, some real, real serious, serious healing. Unfortunately, I don't know how that looks because given, given, given how everything has been going on as of late, especially when it comes to healing, it, healing looks feminine towards a lot of men. And so we need to do our best to try to make it look as appealing as possible. So that way, us as men, we can actually not only have a peace of mind, but we can also learn what our self-worth is about. Um, to respond to Salahuddin, um, uh, as well as the brother, uh, was a Will Focus, right? Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, to respond to y'all, uh, I've actually been, uh, 
I guess you could say a responder of sorts or a good Samaritan in situations like that, because there's been plenty of times uh, where I've seen women, they they will get abused or they will get accosted, so to speak, by their respective earth, by their respective mates. And half the time I've intervened and, you know, the shit is crazy. And to piggyback on Will said um, concerning the polls, sometimes being a good Samaritan puts the woman in, in more danger than uh, than actually putting them in a safe position. But then also on the flip side, by me, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm giving you my personal experiences. By me being a good Samaritan, I put myself in danger because I can't count how many times I would come to the defense of a woman. Next thing I notice, she's about to fight me for beating up on her man or she's fight, or she's ready to kill me for defending her from her man. Yeah. And uh, and as a person who also grew up in a household that that was filled with domestic violence, uh, my it's gonna sound kind of harsh when I say this, but it's it's like this: if a woman really wants help, she's gonna have to find some way to help herself. I don't know how. I wanna I wanna I wanna preface that because I really don't know how, but. Again, it, it, it's it's just it's, it's it's the way that phrase go. If you want if you want help, you gotta learn. You gotta find some way to help yourself. I don't know what that help may look like to some of these to some of these sisters because who knows that help might mean run like hell to the next door neighbor's house. That run like that that help might actually mean getting in contact with the relatives, um, um, in the particular state or in the neighboring state. That particular help might actually mean just saying, you know what, fuck it, I need to disappear. I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna have to disappear. Or, and this is this is the actual extreme one, and I really advocate against this. Help actually might actually mean you might have to fight and take out your your abuser. In that situation, I've definitely been in a oh, I might have to take out my abuser, like. But then I had to look at two kids that I know I would have left by themselves and put in the system. So uh, that and putting, I have a family family members that would have handled that perfectly for me. But I know it would have ended up them taking out my abuser and we all going to jail because they don't care. But I feel what you're saying. Like you have to look out for help for yourself. You have to try to get away and do it on your own. A lot of them don't have that clear mind of where to go and how to go. I mean, if you're getting fight beat on day after day after day, whatever, or getting picked or antagonized for whatever, it's like, I don't even know what to do. Let me just make sure I do this right so I don't get into an argument today. I just want to be calm today. Mm -hmm. um, Yoko, hey, boo. I get what you were saying about you want all the smoke, but I don't want no smoke. Listen, I'm 35. I ain't trying to be outside fighting with no dudes. I'm over all of that. When I left working in the environment I worked in before I got where I met y'all and working, whatever, I worked around guys that just came home from jail. They came home, they were in the shelter, whether on medication or anything. They just seemed off. Some of them had problems. I would have to stand up to them because they would want to fight with me because I'm a female guard. You know, yeah. I used to have to carry whatever I had on me. So it built after years of doing that, it built up me being aggressive. So when I met Sala, 
I know you've seen how aggressive I was. Like, yo, I just can't. I'm institutionalized. I'm ready for all of it. I wanted all the smoke. <laughs> I don't gotta be like that. Like, I was really rough with my with with other dudes, and it kept me strong in the street whenever I was coming home. Because I know guys can be, oh fuck you, bitch, if they trying to holler, or me being as tall or as built as I was at the time, it'll be like a standoff. If you're trying to talk to me and I'm rejecting you, you want to fight or something like, I would be with it. I made somebody in the street one time, like, come for me. <laughs> and it was over. It was, ah, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a bitch and I'm going to leave. But good luck. I had those days. Like, I had those rough days. But the fact that I had to build a strong, aggressive, uh, like, persona to deal with men outside in the street especially my own that somebody that looked like me that looked like that could be my son my brother my uncle whatever it's like damn like i gotta feel like i'm going to war every time i'm going outside make sure i look a certain way if i look a certain way i gotta carry at least this taser this mace and maybe some of these knuckles <laughs> but then when i got that damn job it was hard trying to come through. I had to make sure I had it in my pocket. I couldn't wear it in my bag because if y'all would have caught my bag, it's, tr it's like I almost, and this is what my life is going to be soon, I'm going to move to a state where I'm going to have open carry because I'm definitely getting a gun and it's going to get to a state, a stage. I'm going to be 40, 45. 40. I'm not fighting with no grown men that want to curse me out or disrespect me in the street. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting first. I'm not asking any questions. <laughs> And that's how defensive I gotta be. That's where the mind state is going with some of these women. You gotta defend yourself. It's either gonna be me or it's gonna be you. And it's not gonna be me. It's not. I'm coming home uh, to my kids. Sister Teresa, I wholeheartedly get where you're coming from. I just wanna also state like the suggestions that I gave, it's merely just that suggestions because quite frankly, I don't have all the answers. I, and like I said, even though I grew up in a domestic, uh, in a household that was filled with domestic violence, um, I'm just bringing forth the solutions that I even thought of as a kid while I'm sitting and I'm being witness to this. Shit. I'd be like, yo, why, why don't moms just douse this shit with sleeping pills? <laughs> Like, you know, uh, you know, why don't my mother run like, why don't my mother uh, run to the nearest neighbor? And I say this because this is also during a time where, and I also felt it too, the community, the community mindset was slowly but surely leaving. And I mean that too, because like, this is like around between 97 to about 99. I still remember knocking on my next door neighbor, asking, asking to borrow two, two eggs, asking for a cup of sugar, <laughs> you know, shit like that. Yeah, um, but yeah. But yeah, I just say all that to say, like I just I'm just bringing forth these these suggestions. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, and I don't know what help would look like to these systems. But again, if you really want to get out that situation, you gotta help yourself. I don't know what that help is gonna look like to them, but you gotta figure it out. Can I clarify something? Like when I say I'm ready for this book, I already know I have my daughter, and that's my number one priority. I'm not going out there just ready to fight like I'm not but my thing is I can't really talk too much on this type of protection because like I said I feel like I already have it handled but it's just if you're talking to me or if you disrespect me I'm ready for it you know what I'm saying like I'm not going to be that female that's just sitting there like all right cool maybe for the first five minutes I'll let you blow off steam or whatever if this is a situation where I don't know you but like 
for instance, sorry, I think you saw my status. I'm like, yo, it's six o'clock in the morning <laughs> and I got to curse somebody out. Like I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm on the train. I'm getting on that Utica. So I see the dude sitting over there, you know, social distancing, leave it alone. I'm like, let me just sit way over here, like way over here. So I'm sitting here. He gets up and he walks towards me. So now we sitting on the seat. His back is towards me. Back to back. First of all, you already know social distancing. Why are you that close to me? I don't like that. Right. So I already feel some type of way. Like, all right, I'm a, I'm a whatever. I turn around to see if the damn train come in. Bro got his dick out. Well, this type of morning. Wait, what? Like, right. Come on, bro. Like, so I'm like, it's this type of morning. All right. I, all right. You, so you your dick is just morning. out, right? Your dick right. is just out, right? <laughs> you just got your dick out on the train. All right, cool. Right, right, right. So I walk away. <laughs> I walk away because I don't got time for that. Whatever you feel you want to do. What pissed me off was as I'm walking away, I hear fat bitch. So you know me and my ponytail swirled all the way around. Like, who the fuck is you talking to? Like, you like you sitting here being a pervert. Like, you know what I'm saying? Then you have the nerve to want to disrespect me out loud. Like, you're not even discreet with your shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you could be talking to anybody because clearly it's just me and you and another female who's like feet away, but she not even nowhere near the situation. So what are you doing? So I have to curse you out for being a pervert and being disrespectful. Like, come on. Like, but then it's like, I can't expect nobody to jump in because I wouldn't. Mm. Listen, and that's, he would have been coughing, sneezing, choking, rubbing his eyes with his dick out in my presence. Bro, you, would, you wouldn't even have the Rona. He would have been like, because <laughs> I would have maced him so down. I would have never stopped have. I don't have my pepper spray no more. I have that when I have my pepper spray and I have my mace. That happened before, like years ago. I did that shit in Brownsville when that happened to me before. But it's just and it's sad to say I have more than one story like that. That's that's crazy to me. But we all just, do, and that's the problem. We all that's why we here. We all have that same story. Motherfuckers pull that shit right out in the trunk like that. Especially around the time that like, we come to work, like. We got to be to work at four o'clock in the morning. We on the train from any time when it was running from one o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. This is when it happened the most. But it's like, like I said, I can't expect anybody to jump in because to be honest with you, I don't know what situation you got going on. So if I'm getting into it with some guy and some man passed by, like in my mind, I'm like, damn, I wish he can help. But at the same time, I don't know what family he got. I don't know who he go home to. I can't ask for someone that don't know me to protect me. But mm-hmm. only thing I feel like the solution is to stop putting us in that situation to begin with. That's the only solution I could come up with as far as exactly that type of protection. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's why it goes back to what I was saying, which is the fact that some of these dumbass niggas need to go to fucking therapy. Like, we get it. You know, you, you had some issues growing up. Shit, I had some issues growing up my damn self. Like, I, I, I pretty much already admitted I grew up in a household full of domestic violence. I mean, shit, my mother was a substance abuser. Just to, you know, give you a little bit more context. So I, I acknowledge that I grew up in a fucked up ass household. 
But when it was all said and done and I was able to get away from that bullshit, I was like, all right, man, something got to give. I don't know what the fuck I need to do, but I need to figure this shit out because I don't like this shit at all. And that, and personally for me, that's just me. I feel like, or rather, not I feel, but I'm convinced that if some brothers really give a fuck about their self-worth or trying to claim their self-worth and trying to do something, they're going to figure something out. And, it, and, you know, and it's drastically different when it comes to a lot of people. With me, I, I did research a lot. My, my I spent most of my time in the library, so much so to the point where I tell people by trade, I'm a fucking librarian. I do a lot of research. But, you know, there's some there's some brothers who take it, who take fitness seriously. They 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 be in the gym a lot. They be working out so much so to the point where they become professional trainers. Hell, I even know a brother who wound up growing, who wound up um, becoming a nutritionist because he took health and wellness very serious. And then, you know, this and then there's another brother that I'm aware of. He actually loves to travel so much so to the point where once he got a certain age, he said, fuck it, I'm going to move. I don't know where I'm going to move, but I'm going to move. This man moved to Texas. This man went to California. This man went to Arizona. This man went to uh, uh, fucking Florida. And when I was when I was recently in contact with him, he got involved with stocks and bonds and finances so much so to the point where now he can actually finance his travels instead of waiting about a year or two before he can do that. But yeah, I just, I just say all that to say, like as as men or as young brothers stepping into their own to become men, eventually you're gonna have to figure it out. And, you know, and it's unfortunate that our parents don't have the answers for us. It's unfortunate that sometimes we don't have proper, proper male guidance. Some of us don't even get the male guidance until until we're in our 20s. Real shit. So we but, you know, we we, we got to figure it out. And as far as the sisters is concerned. <sighs> try. And, and, I, and I emphasize that. I felt hell. I put an asterisk next to it because some sisters don't have it. But try to have a little patience. Well, my mother-in-law, she works for ACS. And we was talking about that one day, about um, domestic violence and everything. And there's people who she's helped and gave them the resources and everything. Like, this woman goes out her way to help everyone. Kids, if the man is having a problem with the baby mother, everybody nobody's exempt so she was like listen i've tried and like people they take the information that i give them they leave but then they go back and she was like i'm telling you right now they say and this is true because she said she said it's true because i witnessed it it takes a woman to leave a domestic violence situation at least nine times at least because they leave and then they come back. They leave and then they come back. Leave. They have to really deep down in their heart want to leave and take the information that's being given to them when they do receive the help. Also, you got to understand the mindset. Like, if you've been in a relationship for years, let's say, for instance, because a lot of these situations would be insecurities from young. So you have insecurity when you're little and you get in this relationship because somebody giving you attention that you never had and he know that and then he starts to exploit your insecurities and treat you as such, treat you accordingly. And then you leave and you come back, you're going to say, where you going to go? Where you going to go? And they be on them like that. So it takes a lot for somebody to come out of that. Hell, I barely go through stuff. I, I haven't been through anything like that. And I can tell you when you're going through something in your mind, 
and you feel beat down, it's hard to get out of that. So if you coming out of years and years of being abused mentally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, because this this is a whole thing into one when it comes to domestic violence. If you dealing with all of that for years and years and years, it's not going to take a day to come out of it. It takes 21 days to create a habit. And you went through this for years. How are you coming out when you don't see no way out? Your, your mind is clouded by all the nonsense that you've been through and you feel worthless. These women feel worthless out here, especially when they're getting it from the man in the house. They're getting disrespected on the street. They see what's happening to them online and on the news and everything like that. They like, yo, if even if I do leave this man, I'm gonna run into somebody else that's just gonna kill me the first time. Like they don't know what to do. So it's easy to say, yo, y'all gotta do it. But easier said than done. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And uh like given given, like I said, by trade, I'm a librarian. I've been doing a lot of research about this and again. I grew up in a domestic. I grew up in a household filled with domestic violence. My father, my father, my mother used to go at it a lot, so much so to the point where, like, I've actually bore witness to that shit. But uh, yeah, what I was, what I uh, based on what I've learned and what I've observed, to be honest with you, that shit is just a predator prey. It has predator prey dynamics. Mm-hmm. And what uh, and what also some people fail to comprehend is sometimes, not all the time, not most of the time, but sometimes. Parents sort of kind of prepare the children for domestic violence, domestic abuse relationships, i.e. the girls. I, I can't count how many times I've heard stories of mothers having, you know, you know, making making poor decisions as far as finding mates. And because of the fact that they couldn't find a man that they want, they take it out on their children. And don't and don't and don't let the child don't let the child be a girl. Now you're competing with your daughter for unnecessary ass reasons. You beating up on your daughter, thinking that your daughter trying to steal steal your man and some shit like that. And then unfortunately, when the daughter gets older, what happens? She unfortunately falls into the same pattern of behavior that the mother was doing. Mm. Babe, what's and, and keep in mind, for the record, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not directly saying that women are anything of that nature. It's just it's, it's it's unfortunate, but it's a cycle. And sometimes we don't. Some of us don't even realize it's a cycle until you know generations generations into it. It'd be too late. Um, buddy, what was what was that? Um, what's the name of the Tyler Perry movie when she threw the grits on homie? Which one was that? When she threw the what? Wasn't that mean? Diary of a Mad Black Woman? That wasn't that one. Uh, when she threw the grits on him? That's oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm getting no, 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 no. No, that's the family, family reunion. Family reunion. Family reunions. In that movie. And this is a, it's funny that I'm bringing this up and it's like, oh, it's Tyler Perry is just a movie. That's a real thing. When she was treating the daughter that was the, the one that was pretty, quote unquote, she got beat on by her man who was rich and her mother was like, yo, where you going? You know what I mean? Like, so what? You know what I'm saying? And then her other sister was going at it with the moms. And when she was little, the moms, because the boyfriend was about to leave her, dolled her up like a, a grown woman and sprayed perfume on her and all of that and gave her to the man because he was going to leave. That's a real thing. I know it's like, oh, wow, it's crazy for them to be talking about it and be talking about Tyler Perry, but that's not a fake situation. That don't just come from nowhere. That don't come out of the thin air. That's a real situation that actually happens. So, like you say, you sometimes they get prepared 
for those type of things. But um, babe, you got something to say? You look like you've been wanting to say something for a long time. Yeah, but it's been a, real, a little busy, <laughs> so I just stay back. No, I just uh, I taking back to the initial question was what can be done in situations like this, and I just want to just put out there it's two entirely different protecting of black women situations that are being brought up there's domestic violence and then everything else mm-hmm. correct if you will domestic violence is mad tricky and like you said mom has been like the main example for us saying that she sees firsthand domestic violence is so tricky and sometimes you can't get involved and yeah sometimes the woman has to ask for the help for you to step in and help when it's domestic violence but going back to us being harassed on the streets that's mad real that was every day constantly since i was a child still mm. my mother still goes through it like you walk down the street and men and, and so i notice my mom noticed my brothers notice i say it all the time i have like a tick about it when i'm walking down the street i get mad nervous when guys speak to me and i say no thank you and i always try to be polite because i'm scared and I say, no, thank you. And I listen for what they're going to say. And I always clench and tense my back because I'm always scared. Someone's going to punch me. They're going to shoot me. They're going to throw something at my back. That is a real fear I live with every single time. I'm on Jamaica Avenue. I'm wherever where there are youths around just trying to holla. And their friends aren't keeping, keeping them accountable. And I hear the, well, if I step in and it's just going to be, I'm going to be targeted. Not for nothing. I don't care. Mm. I don't care if you target it because I grew up being that target. You know, when I, when I was young, I, I wasn't the popular person in school. I was getting picked on and teased. But when I saw someone getting picked on and teased, I stepped in and said, that's not right. I literally, they, they, used, to talk, they used to talk about me, used to make fun of me, all kinds of stuff. I was no, by no means popular in elementary school. But one day I walked in and saw the popular girls throwing tissue in a stall. And I was like, what are y'all doing? And I just hear a tiny little, help, help me, help help and I realized they're picking on the little the little meek girl in school and I was like uh uh-uh, uh I'm gonna tell on y'all get out what are y'all doing I knew I was gonna get help for it later they was gonna make fun of me later they was gonna be worse to me and they were for years they got worse with me but I did not care I'm not gonna sit by and let people be picked on like that I seen a female in school in high school sitting by herself in band class and people were like in the the popular section with the popular instruments talking about her talking about how she's fat and she's this and that she has no friends and i was like what i know y'all not gonna sit there and tease her and call say she ain't got no friends i got right up walked up to her and shook her hand and said hi i'm bunny what's your name and we're still friends now because i stepped in i'm not gonna sit there and let nobody i don't care what position i'm in i don't care if i'm in a high tier or a low tier i'm not gonna sit by and let wrong happen if i see my brothers sitting by let their friends talk bad about somebody in the room i'm saying something and i expect my brothers to say something matter of fact i don't even have to expect it i know my brothers are raised the exact same way which brings it back to upbringing who is raising these kids or not raising these kids properly to be honest and how do we find people in their lives close enough to them or around them to step in and say you doing that wrong brother absolutely not you should not be calling no girl no b-i-t-c-h while she's walking down the street just because she said no thank you i've i've said yo i'm married and showed a ring on my finger you a fucking liar yo cubit like all of that because i said i got a ring on my finger i've been on the phone with my mom and saying excuse me i'm on the phone with my mom you ain't on the fucking phone you dumb and blah, blah, blah. y'all mad insecure inside <laughs> y'all don't know how to deal with rejection and you're lashing out 
therapy is very right. They need therapy. They need a little bit of Jesus or whoever they want to believe in. They need a little bit of that too. Whoever they want to pray to, they need to reflect and they need better friends. They need better people around them. You are your surroundings. Thank you, mommy. Mommy said accountability. You cannot have people around you that promote the same stupidity that you keep going because that's how you end up not doing better. That's like me being an entrepreneur and hanging out with a bunch of people who don't have no goals to drive of their own. I've seen that time and time again. Friends talking, like people I know saying, oh, my friends think I'm dumb because I'm trying to better myself at business, at my own business. They like, no, you should just go to school and get a regular job for somebody else because they don't think like you. So that's not going to work. Mm. It, that's not how that works. You need pe like-minded people around you. So if you got, if you hanging around somebody who you see is doing something stupid and talking to girls out the side of their face, you need to be that friend and do something better about that. Change them up. Okay. And I'm going to raise JJ to be the same type of guy. It's going to be the same type of upbringing. He's going to be raised to not talk out his mouth and make a woman feel insecure and unsafe in a street. And he's also going to be raised to tell his friends, don't be letting a woman feel in insecure and unsafe in these streets. And if he sees somebody else doing it, have the courage to say something. That's all it is. Speak up. Uh, does he also have male guidance too? Positive male guidance, I mean? Yeah, that's me. All right, cool. There we go. <laughs> that's me and my whole family, buddy. Yeah, I'm a, we gonna raise him right, and he gonna be raised to know what them know how to use his hands too. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not a lot of positive male influence. When y'all say who's raising these kids, the ones that's raising these kids is the one that's cursing everybody out. That's the ones that's raising these kids. Like a lot of our programs for the younger kids are gone. We don't have any PAL. We don't have the community centers in the NYCHA anymore. We don't have that anymore. When I was younger, it was mad programs, dance academies, and all kinds of stuff. Once that got clipped, it was like these kids was in the streets learning how to interact and do certain things on their own because they didn't have it at home already. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the people that they saw at some of these programs, they emulated them like, oh, you know, Brother Richard, and he worked here with me, and he was cool. He helped me with my homework, and he brought his son over, or whatever, whatever. They don't have that anymore. So a lot of these kids is on their own. Like them, oh, it's sad, but remember all the boys that jumped that one little girl because she said F pop smoke. These is young boys at that who jumped a little girl, fifteen of them. 15 people who has two mothers, I mean, a mother and a father, all of them have mother and father, 15 boys, jump one girl. So all 15 of them boys were raised terribly. So all their parents, because my son would, I, I don't care, I'm going to stand firm with that. My son could never, mm. ever. He wouldn't be alive after that. I wouldn't even know that man. Mm. Um, and I would uh, coincide with what Sister Bunny said about accountability. Like, honestly speaking, at this point in time, uh, as black people, particularly black parents, y'all have no choice but to hold yourselves accountable at this point in time. And I say this because it goes back to what Sister Teresa said. A lot of the programs, a lot of the resources that we had in the community that's been taken out. So it's like now, uh, unfortunately, you know, as parents, y'all going to have to step it up. And the way and from based off my observation of what I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of men and women are having children with each other and they don't like each other and it will make it even worse. They don't even like their own children. 
So here it is. So here it is. You here it is. You got you got with the man for all the wrong reasons, or you got with the woman for all the wrong reasons. Then you have this child. You establish a family, and now because of the fact that you don't like the mother of your child, or you don't like the father of your child, i.e., baby mother, baby father, and all the other bullshit ass titles. Now you now you uh 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 you pouring your dislike onto the child, and then mm-hmm. now and then you got the nerve to get mad and wonder why your child turned out the way they are. We have to hold ourselves accountable. True. That's why, honestly speaking, I'm glad I'm not a father yet. And I'm not saying it in the sense that I'm going to pour some negativity onto my child. It's just I see the way that people act nowadays. Like, it's so much so to the point where I don't have the time. I'd be nervous in terms of in terms of approaching a woman who looks physically enticing to me. Because, yeah, she may look good, but I wonder what's what's her mind is like. I wonder if her soul is in dog shit. Spaghetti. I think I think what he said was real to be to be wary and, and cautious in approaching creating children because that comes with teaching them how to be the right individuals. And if you don't have the time and or just you're creating them for the wrong reasons, which is you may be lonely and you want to create something that will love you unconditionally. A lot of a lot of females do that. And then they trap, you know, themselves in kind of, you know, forceful, forceful relationships as in, oh, this is my body. I want the baby. So I don't really care about what he says. So I'm going to have it. And then later on, when you realize you're not financially stable or maybe you're, you're stressed out or you don't have as much help as you thought, then you want to try to put him on child support when he was when he was very honest with you and saying that he didn't want a child right now. So I think moving carefully and cautiously as I think of the same thing. I had this conversation with my mate and I was like, if you're struggling to, to, to fend for your children right now, and we're trying to raise them right now, why would we add another one? Just cause it doesn't make sense to me. And I think about even now I have like a crazy list. I have it somewhere of just things that I was never taught as a child that I would want to teach to my children just kind of as I'm just going throughout the day or whatever and one one that really stood out to me was um if I had a son or guess what even younger cousins even my god sons or whatever teaching them no means no teaching them you know what rape culture is and also you know different things even even teenagers and 20-somethings you know let's say you're in a relationship with someone I had to have this conversation with my boyfriend and I'm like, I'm in the mood and you're not in the mood. And you tell me no. And I feel rejected. It, sh- it shouldn't be like that. Or let's say he wants to engage with me and I'm not feeling it. And he gets mad. That's not how it should be. So just kind of teaching those different principles. I just try to keep my my little list so that because it, if, if you've never seen it on TV, because that's how I learned, learn from like Boy Meets World and Cosby Show and stuff like that. If you've never seen it, you kind of wouldn't know until you're in that situation and you realize those things. So right. yeah. one, one other thing I also wanted to point out, too. Thank you for uh, bringing up the whole importance of, of consent, too. Many of us seem to lack the sense to comprehend that we get to, we actually get to choose who we want to have children with. I do not I do not stress that enough. We get to choose who we want to have children with. Like if you like example, as a man, if you if you've been observing this young lady that you've been so-called interested in, and yeah, you know the sex is good, but if you see how she carries herself, you see how she speaks, 
You you you're familiar with her mindset. You 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 familiar with her box. Why the fuck would you run up in her raw? And as a and as a woman, if you and as a woman, if you see if if you see this man, and you know again the dick the dick is good. He's getting up your guts real real well, but he's not carrying himself appropriately. The man doesn't have a job. He can't hold a job for shit. He don't know how to carry himself. He he's not, he doesn't really know how to speak well, and he damn sure don't know how to speak well to you. Why the fuck would you let him get on top of you? Mm. Like That's sometimes you really, sometimes you really gotta sit here and you gotta think about this stuff. And I you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sound, and I'm not trying to sound harsh when I say it, but sometimes the truth is ugly and it, and the truth needs to be told. That's also why my black ass is celibate. I just don't have the patience for bullshit. I want to speak on that because I hear a lot of people saying that and it's just, yeah, sometimes that is the situation, but what's not spoken about is the situations where you do spend time in a relationship with this person. You do get to know this person. And soon as the baby comes, boom, totally different person. Do you really think that somebody could do like, a full 360? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not convinced of that. But, uh, but change I my mind. Like, I feel like a person can both negatively and positively. And I say that because I did. <laughs> I did. And the reason why I say that is because, to be honest with you, before I had my daughter, I, wouldn't, I didn't want to have kids. So let's just put that out there. I didn't want to have kids. So I didn't act in a way that I should be looked at like, oh, she's going to be a good mother. <laughs> Once I had my child, that changed. Mm. So I feel like you can change. You can change from bad to good, good to bad. But with every life event that you have, it changes you. No one stays the same all the years of their life, whether you're changing for the good, changing for the bad. So, so many people say, oh, well, you knew this person. Sometimes you really don't know this person. Sometimes you don't because they are a totally different person. I could meet you and you could be this caring person, this fun person, this you speak to me well, you respect me. But something happens in your life and it switches. Mm. So when people say that, it's just like from experience with me, it's like, you look at it that way, why don't you look at it from a way of maybe someone did put the time in to get to know this person and maybe it just didn't work out or maybe something happened to alter that person's perspective on life and change them to the point where they're unrecognizable at this point. So oh. just because two people have kids together don't mean it always started off, oh, they just wanted to have sex Oh, they didn't even get a chance to know each other because you can spend years of your life trying to get to know somebody or thinking you know somebody and boom, it's a whole different person, whole nother life. Like it's it's documented. You've seen things like this. It's people that's been married for years, and the man or the woman have a whole different freaking life. So we can't just sit there and try to blame it on people being ignorant or saying no one's putting the time in because there are situations more than people want to believe that people do get in relationships, do people do get to know this person and to be honest, having a baby do change a person, whether it's bad or good. Can I jump in? Oh, I'll let you go. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So I have three kids, right? Some of y'all already heard my my story with my ex earlier. 
Um, and my kids are old, so we have a history of nonsense that has happened between us. Before we had kids, we were best friends. I loved being around her. It was cool. However, the reason, and I, I, I hear what you're saying, Yoko, right? You're like, some people change. I staunchly disagree, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I, I disagree in the fact that, I mean, they do change. Kids can change uh, people. I agree with that. But it depends on uh, what your priorities may have been prior to having the kids. Now, uh, it can either skyrocket you in a positive direction or skyrocket you in a negative direction, depending on who the parents are, right? Now, with the situation that I've seen, because the majority of my friends are women, is, and including my situation with my ex, when I met her, I met her, she was talking to a friend of mine. And I'll never forget, I saw her on three different instances on campus when I was in college. And every time I was like, yo, what's wrong with this girl? <laughs> what's wrong with this girl? And I ended up having kids with her. I never remember, I'll never forget. There was one time she was walking down the street with my friend when they were talking. This is before she and I started talking, long before. And a girl passed him. This girl uh, spoke to him. He stopped. He said hi, talked to her for literally three seconds. I was there. I saw it happen. She looked at him, got an attitude, and stormed off in the opposite direction, angry. And I was like, yo, what is wrong with Shorty? I was like, yo, I could never talk to somebody like that. The, <laughs> next, the next year, I had twins with her. What I'm saying to you is she showed her true colors, right? Even my friend, when he found out we had slept together the first time, he was like, yo, one time and let that be it. I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good. It's whatever, whatever. A lot of people don't take these warning signs that are there, right? It's there. We just, we see the good that's happening and ignore the stuff in between that the good is masking. Like that good stuff is a really, really good mask because we want it to be good. So we always see the positive before anything else, which is why people waste quote unquote, waste their time in relationship. I wasted mad time because I was ignoring stuff. Then I have situations where I've given, I don't know if other guys in the group have women friends and they'll hit you up and they'll ask you for advice and they'll tell you about a relationship that some dude they dealing with and you'll be like, nah, dude is such and such or this is what's happening, I'm telling you, so be careful. And you don't want to tell them like, don't do something, but you'd be like, look, this is what he's doing be wary and then they be like okay okay and then they call in you within a week <laughs> complaining about whatever it was you warned them about being true because they didn't listen or you see them with a new dude and they post some mad pictures up and you warned them about the dude and then a week or a month later there are no more pictures of them with the dude on facebook or ig all of a sudden it's a completely different life it's like sometimes it is blatantly ignored when we we warn or when we want to see the good so much in people any i guarantee you everybody in here has at least one or two situations where they ignored some signs and they could think back and be like damn you know what if i had just listened to myself or paid attention in the beginning when that person was constantly I don't know, digging in their toes and sniffing their fingers like some simple like retarded stuff like it could have been any really bunny 
that's what you're going to do, Smith JJP. Anyway, uh, it could have been anything. But what I'm saying is, like, the signs be there. But we we are so quick. We're positive people at mm-hmm. the end of the day. We love to love. We love to look at the good in things. So we ignore all the negative. And we're all guilty of it. I don't think there's any one person in here who could say they're not. And usually that's the case. That's just my opinion, obviously. But I just wanted to... to touch on that yoga no, i respect your opinion i'm sorry if i cut somebody off i respect your opinion but Bro. i feel like we're talking about two different situations because even with your story you said it out your mouth i would never talk to a female like that i'm not talking about that i'm talking about hey i met you we're getting to know each other this is my forever i love him i love her yeah we have our flaws but i don't see where this can go wrong but mm-hmm. see, like, well, I mean, you're not used to how I talk, but I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But you, no, 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 no. you from New York. Go ahead. I'm good. <laughs> I talk to myself like that, too. So I don't want you to get offended. But you nah, nah, on okay. I'm still going through that situation where it's like, yeah, I'm not trying to deal with this person. But then you end up dealing with that person. But that's not the situation I'm talking about. I'm talking about the situation where even in marriages where mm-hmm. you don't see the red. Fl- Everyone has red flags. No one is perfect. You can't sit there and say, oh, you seen these signs, so you should have left. Because if that's the case, we all be single because we all have stuff that we have to deal with with our significant other that we don't like. But what I'm saying is the situations where you get to know this person, you accept them flaws and all, it's Mm -hmm. not that bad. It's not, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, we're not in a domestic violence situation. Everything's good. Mm -hmm. You have your bickering back and forth. And then when the child comes... Mm-hmm. It's a total different situation because you even agree having a child do change people. It do. Mm-hmm. But we can't always suggest that people just going around humping on each other and not getting <laughs> into these mm-hmm. because there are situations and it is kind of disrespectful for people that have took that time or do feel like the person on them changed mm-hmm. to be put in that category like damn I, I i'm not like that so why am i being looked at like that because i haven't i have a children time. children does think i'm gonna tell you something children what children does and just does anything if you have, you can have best friends right mm-hmm. Be like yo that's my ride or die and a lot of times friendships they go unchallenged yep you understand they everything is good you haven't really ran into anything that challenged that friendship so of course that's your ride or die that's your best friend it's only until things start to challenge what you've been accustomed to experiencing with this person, do you really see the fortitude that they can exhibit under pressure? And children has always been like a litmus test for people in a relationship. And it's not that the person switched up, it's just you met their threshold when they became parents. Like, oh, this is what you can handle up until this point. You ain't built for this parent shit. You built, you built for this boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. You're not built to be a parent. You built for this engagement shit. You ain't built to be a husband or a wife. It's certain things that happen in our life that set benchmarks for where we are in our in our maturity. And a lot of times being becoming a parent can really test your test your ability to even be in a situation. Uh, for me, it wasn't that case. I was just ready. His mom's was kind of ready. So we was able to do it. But there's a lot of people that go through that. And you realize it's not that you had sex with the wrong person. It's just you found out what their limitations were. And it's not your fault. You know, it's not their fault either. You just was able to find something out about them that you wouldn't have found out about them had you not had no kid with them. 
Uh, I'm going to jump in real quick. Just to tie, I'm sorry. Um, I, I want to add to both of those situations that uh, Yoko, I, this is why I was saying like, when I first met her, I didn't know her at all. Negative light, like negativity, 1000%. Then he introduced me to her because she's a fashion designer. And at the same time, she was doing shows that she modeled in and was designing clothes for. I was a dancer. So I was dancing in the show. So we linked up, we became best friends. And I was like, yo, she's mad cool. She got a little attitude. I like that spicy shit. You know, it is what it is. So we yeah. talked, it was all good until like her son said, when we had like, there was little things that keep me off and us being friends. But then when we had kids, it shifted. And our perspectives, hers was, everything was like a timeline thing. And she literally, literally became radioactive. And my focus was, I want to make sure the kids are good. I want to make sure the kids are good. I want to make sure the kids are good. And we were both broke as hell in college, away from family. She had her issues. I'm trying to deal with all of this at the same time. We just, it was red flags that we was both not looking at properly that resulted in us going completely off the deep end. And I feel like, we all get these red flags. I feel like they're there. And I feel like a lot of us, like Hassan was saying, you know, it's a threshold thing because that's what it was, honestly, for us. Like, we, I was able to look, overlook what it was I experienced in the beginning. And then once we had kids, I, it was a slow deterioration. And I kept pushing on the, you know, let's get back to friends. Let's be friends. So that way we can work the relationship out. And it was just like, I don't want to be friends. We need to be together. We got kids now. This this how it's got to be, and then the punching started. Then the scissor stuff that I told y'all started, and then it just skyrocketed. But then that also attributes to me not understanding postpartum, because I didn't know what she was going through mentally at the time. She's in college. She's twenty one. She just had twins. We ain't got her family. She came from an abusive background. These are all things I ended up learning as we're going through it. And I also feel like at a young age, we, all, we also jump into things so heavy without thinking about it first. And we let our heart lead and then our minds get effed up in the process. And then we always end up, not all of us, end up holding against the next one or we carry these issues over. But if I was, and, and men get, I forgot what it's called, like post whatever, they get something too because of the stressors that, that happen after uh, having a child. It is a medical condition that happens to men. It's just not talked about. But women, it is literally outwardly displayed way more, but most men don't even realize it. And I know for a fact, I didn't recognize that that's what was going on. So I kind of was like, you know, not knowing the correct ways to approach it. And I feel like we do get these flags, but I feel like a lot of us ignore it or we're not mature enough to know how to deal with it at the time. You That's just saw hoes though before gonna, though, right? You saw I, Oh no, I definitely saw so she before. Ain't, she ain't had postpartum before she had the babies. Like she was, <laughs> she, she was kind of seven thirty before the babies, yeah. right? Like she was. Uh, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna jump in right quick and say that Hassan, Will, and Yoko, y'all actually saying the, you know, the exact same things. It's just. You know, it's kind of worded differently and it sort of kind of got lost in the translation. But yeah, in no way, shape, form or fashion am I saying that brothers and sisters out here just fucking and sucking each other. And then they find out the very last second that, you know, 
you 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 involved with the wrong person. No way, in shape, form, or fashion am I saying that. However, though, I I hope I do. I'm not convinced that somebody has done a complete one 180 where you know there's just there's just this huge teddy bear or they're just sweetheart and then now they and now they uh they the mate from hell. In no way, uh, in no way, shape, form, or fashion, my convince is like that. It goes back to what Brother Will is saying, which is that you have to take the time to get to know your mate. You also have to pay attention to a couple of things too, because trust and believe, I will make show red flags all the time, mm. in yeah, so so many ways, whether blatant or indirectly. We show, you know, we show our flags. We show our, oh, if not red flags, we definitely show our negative, uh, negative qualities. And then you have to make a conscious decision as to whether this individual is worth it or not. And it also ties into what kind of relationship that you may think you have. Because some people might like to think that they're in a healthy relationship and really they're not. They're just, they're just, they're just trauma bonded. Yeah, I saw some yellow flags in my life. I, I didn't know they was red, though. Uh, like, oh, it's shit. A, it's a, uh, a share, share a brief story like uh, uh, with the point that I'm trying to make. My ex-fiance, uh, I was dating her back in 2008, going into, into 2009. I met her actually at a summer program, which was geared towards teen dating violence, meaning that we're in high school and we're actually, actually uh, dropping knowledge on our fellow classmates about, you know, relationship abuse and, you know, the ins and outs of having a healthy relationship, what, a, what an unhealthy relationship looked like. Nowadays, it's toxic relationship, but back then it was, un, it was healthy and unhealthy relationship. But anyways, we had gotten into it. We had gotten engaged. And the next thing I noticed, she started being real abusive towards me. I'm like, hold on, mate. Wait a minute now. Where the fuck is all this shit coming from? Then one thing led to another. I had to dump her because I knew if I stayed with her long enough, I was going to punch a hole in her face. Um, so all said and done, I broke up with her. And then we got to talking a little bit more after the fact. And then I was like, Oh, so that's why you were the way you were the way you were. And to give a brief synopsis about that, she was the way she was because her father actually held her up in her bullshit. And when I got with her, she sort of kind of expected me to do what her father did, which was hold her up in her bullshit. And when I didn't, when I was holding her accountable every step of the way, and when I even told her some of the things that I like to do and some of the things that I didn't like to do, she caught a funky ass attitude about that. So I was like, oh, okay, basically you wanted a miniature version of your father. And because you couldn't get it from, from me, you decide you wanted to make my life hell. Mm. That's not cool. Our oh. brothers get manhandled by these women. I keep on getting roughed up she, out she, here. She was verbally. <laughs> Yo, it's like three of y'all on here that got handled by she, some chicks. No, nah, no, nah, I, I didn't get physically assaulted though. She was she was verbally and emotionally abused. Well, Will got roughed up. Will that roughed up? So I got roughed up. But that's to Yoko's. That's to Yoko's point, which is, Muhammad. If your ex-fiance, you know, you thought everything was so good that y'all got engaged, and whereas at a certain point she showed you her threshold, as Hassan said. Now, mind you, let's say y'all got married, and that happened later or later on after mm. kids. It, it was there, it just came up out the covers. And when it came up out the covers, that showed a different side. So that that's what Yoko was talking about. Cause guess what, uh, all the way up until that point, you thought it was good, y'all got engaged. But once, once, once something cre crept out, that's the 180 she's talking about. Mm. Kind of show. Uh, that uh, that's what she's I, she's talking about. It's all. I have, I have to disagree. 
And mind you, I, I believe what she says because the same way someone can be man, man or woman, someone can be the nicest person to you, go months and months and all this other type of stuff, being everything you want going forward in a forward direction. And then boom, you turn around and realize they've been married the whole time. Mm. I so, mean, well, yeah, you know, some people, some people are good liars. I don't, I don't disagree with that. And, you know, there's some people who out there who are conniving, who are manipulative. I don't dispute that. However, though, you know, at the end of the day, it's still up to us to have uh, really good eyes and also up to us to have some, um, have a clear mind when it comes to our mate. Otherwise, we all can't do that, though. Sometimes we actually let our mates pull the wool over our eyes. And in the case of my ex-fiance, she actually, I actually let her pull the wool over my eyes. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I got to hold myself accountable. I was really into her to the point where I, I admit I started to ignore some of the bad signs. And then, like I said, when it was all said and done, we had gotten engaged. Everything was cool. Then everything just sort of kind of like it, it, it went from it went from uh, I guess you, it's like fireworks. It went from the the little fifty cent jump offs to ten out ten ten dollar uh pieces of firework. Boom type shit. And I'm like, whoa, what the fuck is wrong? Well, I want to I want to say a couple things and then we're going to um kind of move on a little bit cuz we kind of getting away from the actual topic at hand. My bad. No, no, no. I think it was just the the flow of the conversation and this is it's still good cuz it all ties in to the main reason why we're here which is rebuilding the, the family structure of the black family. So it all ties in. But um the only thing that's really constant in, in the world is death and change. And that can happen within yourself, it can happen within somebody, it can happen within the environment. Now, personally speaking, me and my wife been together for what, 11 years, 10, 11? We got married in like five, five years. And we was good, everything was fine, but we never lived together. So we got our first apartment. Our first apartment was hell. Like barely anything worked. Basement apartment, like two or three windows in that mug. So it was it was just terrible. What, what everything you think a first apartment looked like. Now on top of that, us learning each other as cohabitants and living together, me and her actually sat down one day and realized it and was like, yo, we now understand why people get divorced because it's not an easy thing to be married and to be living in the same household with somebody because you gotta understand you're coming from two different worlds and y'all coming together now to try to build your own thing and that's not easy especially when y'all both as individuals have two things going on within yourselves that y'all ain't even really recognize yet fast forward we had our son that was another situation that was it was difficult to um, to navigate because we, even though she did all the research she wanted on pro postpartum and everything like that, it never prepares you for what actually happened. It doesn't prepare you for how your pregnancy is going to be. It doesn't prepare you how your birth is going to be. It doesn't prepare you of you realizing as a woman, your whole body's changed and now you got to work to get back. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. And like Will said, I didn't realize it until I spoke with somebody at work that there's a male version of postpartum. Because me, I'm like, I bet this baby's here. I got to do everything I got to do to make sure him 
and my wife is taken care of. This job is whack. And it's like, it's mad stuff going on. At any point in time, things could get swept under the rug for me. And we both trying to build our businesses and we was taking those steps. So now we got to take a step back. So it was a lot of stress going on within myself that I was trying to hold it down within me to make sure she was good and not take offense to when she lashed out or was getting added to with me and everything like that. It was a real difficult situation. So some people don't know how to handle that. And it's changed. Your environment changed. So now you try to change and you don't know how to adjust. And instead of sitting there trying to figure it out, you lash out. And it's going like when we said our first, first episode, what James Baldwin said, unfortunately, it comes out in a person that's close to you. Where else is it going to go? You with this person every day. You lay with this person every day. You build in a life with this person. This is the person that you are in love with. This person, you let them in on all your intimate secrets, all your darkest secrets, all your fantasies and everything. You are completely yourself and vulnerable with this person. So when it happens, boom, it's there right there to take everything. All the, any hit that you got, any attitude that you got to be thrown and everything like that, everything, all your nonsense is going to go straight to them. You know what I'm saying? So change definitely happens within people and just it's just that other people know how to handle it better than others. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And part of that, is just communicating and being honest with people because part of this this whole topic was about how do you protect black women right and I uh, right and i think that's that's another way to start in the direction of protecting black women is about being open and honest and, and communicating with them and where you stand and what are your limitations as as a human being uh, and when you start engaging with them in that way uh sometimes we don't sometimes we get a little one one track minded when we see what we like and we just like, mm, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to see what that's about. But sometimes you really ain't ready for all of that. Sometimes you really just kind of like slow it down and just be honest. So there isn't any points in that, I guess that building process where we kept saying red flags, right? Yellow flags, whatever. During those parts where you start seeing those things, you'll be confident enough to have that conversation and don't let it just go. Uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you as well. Also, it ties into uh, men, men and women have to, have to take the time to understand one another. And, you know, when it comes to certain relationships, you know, if a woman is not trying to understand her man and if a man ain't trying to understand her woman, his woman, then, you know, you're not going to the relationship is not going to work out. Yeah. How do we go? How do we go about how does that translate into the world where we don't have nothing to build with these people and you're just running into strangers? Because as we was talking earlier, and there's some new people on the call, um, we was talking about women just randomly being in in the public and being harassed. And mm-hmm. so we kind of understand how we can go about protecting our relationships, protecting our women that we know. But how mm-hmm. do you go about doing it? Like Salah was talking about being on the train. And the only thing I could think of while he's explaining these stories is like, you need to just stay put because you got you got a nucleus at the crib that depends on you. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, ain't really much you can do, fam, other than call the police. Because yeah. if you jump, if you step out too much and you ain't ready for what they about to do, they ready to go all the way. And you just kind of ready to go halfway. Like, hey, brother. He like, fuck that brother shit. Like, you got, how do you handle that? You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to be that person always to 
jump out there and save everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. sometimes you got to be a little bit more cautious and how you go about that because it sounds good to be like, we got to stand up for this person. We got to stand up for these people. But like I said, I've been in them environments where I'm the only one talking and everybody else while I'm talking, they bagging the fuck up from behind me. And I'm like, oh shit, where my support go? And, yeah. and it's gone. And now you just out there on the island having to do whatever it is you need to do. You know what I'm saying? I hear you, brother, because I've been in that same position as well. I'm going I'm to be quiet and let the sister speak. Go ahead. I think part of the problem is that we always assume that men have to take the fight position instead of taking the flight position. If it's possible, is there a way that you can snatch that sister and both of y'all get out, you know, of the situation? We always just feel like, oh, men have to stand up and, you know, do the bravado of the situation. If you're, especially if it's like you're on a train and you know that the guy is whatever approaching shorty, when the door opens, snatch her up and both of y'all get off and take the next train because you're both going to be happy that you live to see the, another day than having to deal with whatever was on the train. Like, of course, everything is situational, but I think that that's an option as well. Like, men don't always have to, you know, puff your chest out. Mm-hmm. And then that actually goes into a question, because I um I went on Facebook and Instagram was asking um the women that, that follow me to give out some questions of, you know, when it comes to this topic, what do y'all want to hear? What do y'all want answered? And one of the questions was, why do we feel as men it's only physical? Physical about what? Protecting them. Why do we feel protection of for the black woman is is limited to being physical? We don't think that, but when we try to kick some game, a lot of times they ain't trying to hear that shit. So it gets relegated to just physical. Because when we trying to sit you down and, and give you some game about how to move out here, because we a little bit more aware of how men move than y'all than they are, they think you're trying to. I guess take take away their independence and their freedom. I've had this is my personal experience. I, I don't want to generalize it, but it's my personal experience. Like I sit down with every woman that I've taken seriously and I like give them that good game too, like about how to move out here, type of friends you want to be looking for. If I see they chilling with somebody, I know they ain't got nothing involved, like in common with this person. I'm just like, how does that even work? But long story short. That's what it ends up getting relegated to, to just physical, because the, the wisdom you're trying to impart on your women, as you should, don't always get re- received in the way that you intended it to get received. Sometimes it's just taken as you being insecure, you being possessive, controlling, or you being paranoid. So now it's like, all right, cool. I just wait till you get into a fucking scuffle. And then that's what the fuck is going to be, because there's nothing else I can really give you if you if you don't want to take this game I got. And to piggyback on what Brother Hassan is saying, it kind of goes back to the very first this very very first episode when we talked about the whole business of protection and to which I had to break it down. Protection comes before danger. Defense comes during danger. Vengeance comes after danger. So with that being said, you know, and and I even I even provide an example and I will provide it again. Let's just say I'm involved with with a sister right now. And I found out that she's going into an environment that's not conducive to her safety or worse. She's hanging out with some trifling ass females that she called friends and I'm putting her on game. She ain't trying to hear that. She's going to talk about I'm policing her, as Yoko had pointed out in the very first episode or some bullshit. Like I'm trying to um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Police. So it's like, yeah. okay, cool, fine. Let me shut the fuck up. Let me do what you got to do. You know, I'm going to let you do what you do. So you go out there, either you get into a scuffle, your friends get into a scuffle, which led to you getting into a scuffle, or even worse. It's just the whole situation. It's just so fucking crazy. Now you calling me and you stopping me from doing what I'm doing, whether it's I'm heading to work, I'm at work, or I'm at home taking care of our children. Now you done put my life in danger because you didn't want to fucking listen. It's a fact, because let me tell you, so I had this chick living with me, right? We're going to talk about this real quick. And um, I used to always, I used to always give her game, like, like, yo, you got to chill out how you move, you're drinking, you're doing a lot of stuff. So one time she just ain't come home. I'm like, what the fuck's up with her? Like, I came home from work. I don't see her. And like, it was a weekend. So I know she, she you know, she got a sister. They be hanging out a lot, but I just felt something wasn't right. She ain't called me, didn't tell me nothing, blah, blah, blah. So I start looking at, I go online because I, I do my little research. I start typing her name in. I'm like, what happened? I hope nothing happened to her. Man, finally, I think like probably the next afternoon, her sister's name pop up on the docket. This bitch is, excuse my language, this girl done got arrested and shit. Oh. And, right, then got arrested, got locked up, all type of shit. You know what I mean? And I said, and she kept saying, all I could think about is Hassan's going to kill me. You know, because you know why she got locked up? She arguing with police because they arrested her sister. So they took her ass too. She trying to fight with Atlanta Police Department. Her sister up there trying to throw stuff at police. So they locked up. Don't touch my sister. Don't touch my sister. So they don't care that's your sister. So they slammed her down too and put her in the pokey right along with her sister. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's what it was. You know what I mean? So it's like we try to protect from the from the onset. Once we see that we care about you, we're gonna try to protect you with some knowledge, some wisdom, especially if we got something about us. But the same that, oh go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, Paige. I go. was about to say, um, y'all already know my family from Mississippi. Uh, you know what I mean? A hard head make a soft ass every time. With protection, <laughs> as y'all parents already know, at, it it also allots to your relationships, which is you can, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Therefore, you drop the wisdom on them. And it's also in your delivery. You drop the wisdom on them. You let them know I'll always be here. And guess what? When they run into the door, nose first, it's good for them. And you'll just be like, here you go with the Band-Aid. And that's it. Like, sometimes you have to let people learn their lessons the hardest way, even just with with random things, like in relationships to where I know I know one thing that I come across a, a hardship is some of some some of my male friends the way that they approach it does sound policing, does sound aggressive. Whereas the people who I call my brothers will always leave the decision in my hands and always let them know that they are behind me 100% no matter what. And they will say their opinion, but the way that it's being said is still with care. Now, I've also come across people who like, they care in an aggressive way. Their tone is aggressive. That's what they, they have to say, but I'm like, when we're learning about communication, we're learning about tones, we're learning about when someone speaks to you as their equal versus when someone speaks to you as if they're your parent, stuff like that. Women, 
younger women, we're going we're going to think something different if you come at us crazy. But we we can tell it in your voice when you're coming at us with love. I'll, and I'll, then, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and then after you've done that, if we hit our face on the wall, then it's our fault. Honestly, I've approached it in many ways, uh, but I will t- agree with you on this page, is that if I'm like your homeboy, it does come off different. Like I give it to you different. The game, the, how I even, how, the tone I give is completely different. But when I'm in the relationship with her, it's like, I'm not only protecting her, I'm protecting our relationship. So now I'm a little bit more, have a sense of urgency now. Cause now I'm like, I know whatever she get into is coming in on my plate at some You're point. immediately involved. Exactly. And I don't like really getting involved in stuff I don't cause the issue for. So now it's like, I'm really trying to protect her, but also protect myself because I'm like, no matter what happens, I got to step up now. And I probably don't really always want to have to deal with stuff that I know is avoidable. I, I get where you're coming from, Queen Tut. However, though, after a while, that hard head makes a soft ass concept and it, it, it gets played out. I'm going to have to be uh, very blunt with you because, yeah. because your parents tell you that and they'll let you like hit your head probably like two or three times on that fourth. It's like, all right, what are you doing now? Yeah, exactly. And that and and that's and, and that's pretty much where I'm getting at though, because again, like, you know, to bring up that situation again, like brother trying to brother trying to tell you why you should not go into a certain situation. Of course, at the end of the day, it's your decision. You're gonna do what you're gonna do. Why? Because you're wrong. But you know, again, the the environment is not conducive to this to your safety. The people that you associate with is not conducive to your freedom, but yet you still want to do it. Now, after the first time that I don't got the call, and after the first time I don't got the call, now now I got to come and rescue you. Okay, cool, fine, bet. But then the second, the third time, it's like, okay, seriously, what, what is it now? Do you really give a fuck about what I have to say, or you just you just in a relationship just to get laid? Excuse and now, at, now as adults, these are now people that we are talking about that we choose to be around: females, friends, homegirls, or possible relationships. And then that's where, like you said before, Muhammad, where we can choose to exit. We see this as even friendships. We see these as the toxic red flags where someone is always mm-hmm. put themselves in a situation. I even had. I had a homeboy and I realized, you know, he just had a drinking problem. And that's just something that I just don't deal with because I don't appreciate people throwing up in my car. Therefore, (laughs) our dealings end right here, my brother. And that's that. No offense to you. That's what you want to do. But I I don't associate myself with people that um, drink to heal pain. Mm. August Alcina. That's my brother. Yeah. I want to speak on it because I did ask this question, but it's like I'm listening to the responses and it still doesn't feel like it's protection because to me, it sounds like, all right, I'm telling you what to do. You're not listening. I write you on your own. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of black women, I don't want to speak for everyone, but we don't feel like we have that room to make mistakes because Early on in the conversation, when we were talking about the way men, you know, yell at us and all this, we I, we got the responses, oh, it's how they grew up in the home. They need counseling. They need this. They need that. But when it comes to us making our mistakes, it's, okay, we tried, but you wasn't listening, so you're on your own. And it's kind of like, a, it, it's painful because it's like, we don't mean to do 
that some, sometimes we don't mean to do that because I know there's plenty of situations where I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to do it. My friends tell me not to do it, but I still do it. But at the same time, when I get that reaction, I still need that support. And I give that support to my friends. Like I have friends that do dumb shit all the time. And I'm just like, sis, don't well, do that. But well, it's now see it, it, it's a very it's a very thin line between actually looking out for your dumb friends and just enabling and then also i think we're talking about you know i think yoko you're talking about forgiveness for um once in a blue moon situations whereas i think muhammad and hassan may be talking about same dumb shit next day situations so if somebody is still running into the street on a green light repeatedly every day after they already broke their leg, arm, everything, that that's one situation. That's something that you walk away from because that person is, um, you know, wanting to bring the pain upon themselves. Whereas if you have a true friendship, Salah knows, Salah is my older brother. He's heard all the dumb shit I've been with, with relationships and stuff like that. Now, mind you, he he protects me by speaking to me love lovingly, by giving me the truth lovingly, by also communicating with me, and also, you know, uh, I, I I would say I never feel policed by him. Where I also, whereas I also have a friend who I I swear he think he my daddy, and it's and it's the way that he that he delivers it. Like I tell you right now. Low key, when I be over his house, he watered down. He waters down my juice. But that's something on the left side. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about. <laughs> we're talking. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about delivery. And then also, if I went to went through a situation with a male, and I came to talk to Salah about it, Salah would hear the whole situation, and then not sit there and be like, "Yo, you dumb because you fell for this shit again." No, understand that each situation is different. And then be like, all right, I see why you did that that time. I see where you came from. And that's forgiveness on a friendship level, on a brotherhood, sisterhood level. And that I, I think that's different from running into green lights. Well, um, the last thing, the, I'm sorry, the last thing I was also going to point out, though, I do agree that communication comes into play as well, because I've actually had to check myself on how I communicated with some of my female friends back in the day, because there are times where I did come off a little aggressive. Granted, I, I still show that I care. I do have that genuine concern, but it comes off aggressive so much so to the point where my caring nature can be borderline intimidating for some sisters. Then I've, um, as the years went on by, I've had to learn to check it to the point where now I don't even say anything anymore. I just give you a look. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what? You got it. And, and, and at this point in time, the very few female friends that I do have now, when they do come to me, they they know they got to come correct. They they know there's no wiggle room for certain things. And I say this because again, if if is if you if you want my honest opinion, you want the cold hard truth, I give it to you. But I do make it my business to communicate it uh, in a polite and respectful manner. But if you still want to go do what you want to do, I'm be honest with you. I'm gonna tell you straight up. Don't hit me. Don't hit me up with the bullshit. So I think Yoko was talking about. Or, or I guess a question to Muhammad is, if you are a straight and upfront type of blunt person, when and who gets your compassion for making a mistake? 
as a friend or as someone you're dating? Who 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 gets compassion and forgiveness versus cold, hard, aggressive truth? Uh well, I mean, well, the children automatically they get compassion. Um, but as far as uh, I'm gonna say, at this point in time, I have, like I said, I have very few female friends. I'm not currently looking for a relationship, so I will say, at this point in time, I have absolutely no compassion to give, to be honest, with you, because it's like, no, nah, I'm like, it, 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 it sounds harsh, but. The reason why I, I don't have any compassion to give because I just recently moved back to New York just to give you a person just to give you a personal uh, synopsis. I just moved back up here in November and I'm trying to get myself reestablished. I just turned 30. I don't really have anything serious going on in my life and I'm in a real good situation right now. Like I'm staying with family. The only thing I got to worry about is paying paying uh, 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 Wi-Fi and ain't about ain't about a hundred dollars a month. So I can wholeheartedly say because of the fact that I'm in a real good position that this is my time to really try to establish myself. This is my time to properly build myself. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need I don't need I don't need any foolish ass females uh, trying to ruin that. Or people in general. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, people in general. But you just, I mean, I don't I don't date men. So, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but, uh, but that's what I was saying, like, as far as the compassion part, because I feel like a lot of males don't have that compassion for females. And yeah, you're in a bad situation, if you want to say that, but you're still growing. You're growing. So you would want someone to have the same compassion for you and give that to someone else because you're doing a situation. You don't have to look out and say, well, this person is doing this for this type of reason. And that was my only question because it's like, I feel like I'm hard on males because I don't have no compassion. And that's what I'm learning. No matter what I'm going through, someone else is going through something too. And you have to look at it. They're going to make mistakes. And I'm the type of person, I'll run around, oh, dudes ain't this and dudes ain't that. And I, I still say that jokingly and sometimes serious. But it's just when you learn to have compassion for that person when you do give them advice and they don't take it you have to understand they're growing such as you and I just feel like as women we don't have that growing area to say well she's acting out because she's going through something mm. we ask for protection everyone has asked for protection even when you're a child you have to have that parent but I don't see a lot of parents like oh well I've tried so it's over with and that's why I feel like we get thrown away when we make simple mistakes or mistakes that anyone else makes because we don't have that compassion. I agree with you heartily about, and, and guess what? It, it brings it back to the cancel culture that is emerging from social media and what we're doing right now, which is everybody, like literally exactly what you said, to be thrown away, having friendships that like people like, don't fight for their friendships, I think. Uh, and sometimes they're just kind of one bad thing, they'll throw you away. And I've, I've experienced it with, with my even female friends specifically. Um, just we'll go through one, maybe one, a, a, after years, maybe go through one situation and then it'll just be down and in the trash and they won't um, understand what's going on. Like just very quickly, Everybody know I got lupus and a lot of my friends 
you know, didn't understand what it was like to be me. And it was just like, yeah, it's painful to be in the hospital, blah, 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 blah. So I can't go out to the club all the time, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not strong enough to drive all the time, et cetera, et cetera. And then they would just throw me away. And then that would then even go towards uh, male relationships where they didn't un- they didn't understand or didn't choose to communicate with me enough to realize what I was going through. So um, I definitely hear what you're saying, but I think um, it's getting worse with cancel culture. Well, um, I'm a, who said that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to make a quick response to Yoko right quick. I apologize. No, no, either. Uh, right quick, um, um, for the record, just to put things in, well, put my situation into context, I don't throw away people. And as far as the sisters is concerned, whether it's a female friend or it's associate, I don't throw them away either. Truth be told, I've, I, they actually burnt the respective bridges. And the reason for that is because I would not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enab- uh-huh. Enable their bad behavior. Um, but yeah, just and also reiterate, I'm in a good position in my life because I'm in a position to where I can actually focus on myself for once. Prior to, I used to focus on everybody else. I used to try to help everybody else. I used to try to build everybody else. And I've watched them, you know, with, with the suggestions that I give them, I used, I watched them wasted away. So it was like, okay, you know what? I love these people. I like to look out for them, but you know what? I still have some projects I need to focus on. I have some some growth and development that I need to focus on, or I have some projects I need to finish. And so, you know, I say all that to say, I don't, like I said, I don't throw people away. I don't burn bridges. If anything, people burn bridges with me. People throw me away. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Um, Oh, man. At this point, (laughs) at this point, um, everybody should be taking care of themselves before they get into a relationship. Because now when you do when you don't do that, you sometimes expect the other person to just either deal with it or help you out or whatever. Um, when it comes to as far as like having the room to make mistakes as black people, we don't have room to make mistakes. And this is not to belittle the black women because y'all have it 10 times harder than us because y'all don't y'all don't y'all can't make mistakes on a societal level, but you also fear of making mistakes when y'all come outside your own community. So it's 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 double for y'all on that. Um, but guess what? We are over time. So we are definitely gonna do this again. We're gonna um do a part two of this discussion with um when the next time we jump up on here. But I wanna discuss the next time this thing that's going on in our community and I and it's like a I don't want to say it's a feminist issue or whatever, but there's this thing where there's you're asking for men's accountability and y'all want us to do these things, these things that y'all, y'all, y'all want us to do certain things, but now when men come out and speak, y'all don't want to hear us. It's kind of y'all want us to be seen and not heard. And that's happening a whole lot, a whole lot. It's like, they put out there why men is always doing this. And then when you go and you speak, they like, I don't need a man's opinion on anything. So it's just like, what? All right. So we're going to get into that on the next episode. Will, you still there? I am. I'm here. 
Um, do you want to um, mention anything you got going on as far as this topic? Is yeah, uh, for the guys who are New York based this Saturday from 3.30 to 6.30 in Brooklyn, uh, 183 Tompkins, we're doing a basically a men's uh, session where we're talking about accountability and we're getting together and talking about issues that really, uh, bother us and, you know, deal with us with revolving around the community. Um, so if you can, and you can make it out, 3.30 to 6.30, it's at a place called Remy Rouge Culture Center. And um, that's on 183 Tompkins, 3.30 to 6.30. I would love for any men in New York to come out and support. Absolutely. I'm writing down the information right now so I can be there because I got a whole lot of shit up. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Anybody else got anything else going on when it comes to this topic, when it comes to your personal life, business and everything? Bunny, you got something? Paige, you got something? You got Well, <laughs> um, for those of y'all who are bored in the house and the in-house board, um, Saturdays I have, uh, I am director of Keep Empowering Youth Achievements Dance Studio, and we have free free dance classes for people of all ages, even toddlers. We have a nice mommy and me class. We have an adult little party hip hop class. And then all your children's, um, we have a whole bunch of classes to keep them, you know, educated and um, out of your hair for a few hours. So that's kiadance.org. Um, and then, yeah, follow me. We got a whole bunch of dance and entertainment stuff. I'm actually physically doing a show um, August 8th at Plaxel Gallery. I will be dancing and then I'm going to be doing a nice free IG live on August 9th. So I'm around Salah's Instagram if you want to hit me up or if you know some kids that need to um, get out your face for a couple of hours. We have some awesome programs and they'll, they'll be, be busy for about three hours. So it'll be good. Anybody else? Um, uh, yes, uh, I would like to throw in a quick plug. Um, I actually received a blessing from Logic, while I, which is why I'm physically here at this studio. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to be closing it down by Friday. So between tomorrow to Friday, I'm going to be here between at least 2 to 10 p.m. I'm going to be doing $50 shoots. It's unlimited. So what that pretty much means is if you come through, you got a couple of outfits, uh, we do our shoot. If the uh, if the shoot amounts to about 500 to 1,000 photos, all 500 to 1,000 photos is going straight to you. Wow. So if you want to so holler at me, holler at me on Instagram or at the world's blackest photographer. Not the, but world's blackest photographer. All one word. Nothing funny. Blackest. Yep. World's blackest photographer. <laughs> and I from the icon. May got Taji Mag. There's there's digital copies out. You can get the physical physical copies. And she has Adorn Taji, which is her her jewelry line. So please, please go support that. Support her. My wife. Fashion. Yes, Adorned in Taji. Yeah. My wife, she makes tons and tons of dresses, outfits, whatever she can get you lit for whatever event you got going on. It's Veljre, V-E-L-J-R-E on Instagram. And uh, yeah. I'm going to see you guys next time, all right? Thanks, Bye. Salad. Later, Sal. Bye. Later, Salad. Later, everybody. Bye, Bunny. Bye, guys. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Stabbed 12 times, paralyzed, always reminded. It doesn't get easier, I got stronger. I'm a walking contradiction with endless possibilities. Emotionally, I'm unstable. Physically, I'm weak. Mentally, I am strong. I am a wounded healer. It doesn't get easier, I got stronger. I'm love. I smell like home. I sound like my mama's prayers. I look like I'm sure. I see beauty in the struggle, grateful. It never got easy, I just got strong. I'm choosing to be strong. Be a voice for those who have been silenced. Speak on the unspoken like a phoenix still I rise. It won't be easy, but you will be stronger. I am here, you are here, we are here. One, two, five. I realized he wasn't stopping. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Lightning strikes of steel, flashes of blood. With the urgency of a marathon, he tried to finish my race. Like a patient, I went limp underneath of his knife. He, I immediately went paralyzed from the head down. The only thing I had control over at this point was of my tongue. And with my words, I was able to write my script. Lights, cameras, actions. I was chauffeured from Prince George's Hospital to a helicopter and then University of Maryland Shock Trauma Center. So ironic because I was expecting to be in the limelight for Baltimore Fashion Week. Twelve designers were working with me. Now these twelve healers were working on me. Next thing I knew, I had twelve man-made tattoos. At PG, I couldn't believe it. I was starring in my very own episode of House. White gloves turned the white Merlot on my skin. White coats. Frantic sounds and scaries. Taking everything in, I blinked in five-second increments. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't feel. The only thing I felt was pain. On August 14, 2015, the 22-year-old Shaharia had died close afternoon. About an hour later, I was being stabilized and placed in a helicopter. I peered open my eyes for the second time, this time at University of Merlin Shock Trauma Center. I was a baby being born, instantly cringing under the bright lights. The only difference between me and the baby at this point was that I couldn't squirm. Wide awake as sleep paralysis seemed to be the only thing that could describe how I had every intention to move, but I couldn't. The doctors come in and state calmly, Ms. Johnson, you have a spinal cord injury called Brown-Saquard syndrome. 
You are paralyzed from the neck down. You may or may not regain mobility. Your lungs have collapsed because of the fluid. Also, when you are stable enough, you need a blood transfusion because you lost too much blood. The air was still and silent. My first thoughts, while I was sitting here with a life sentence, he only got a tap on the wrist. He pleaded for 16 years. My first question was, will I ever be able to walk again? The doctors didn't know. I was trapped and afraid. I was now hooked up on life support, drugs shooting in, and the slow, agonizing beeps of my life monitor for the next two weeks. Two weeks in, I knew that this lifetime would be so much harder, but that my purpose was written in stone. My family would bring church to me every day for 14 days. It began with my queen reversing all negative energy and transforming it into positive at the door. My aunts would come in and inspect me and anoint me like it was Easter Sunday as a kid again. They blessed my forehead with kisses of prayers that turned into humming. When one person hums, we all do. That's, an, that's another form of prayer, by the way. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. My family brought church to me every day for 14 days. Even when I didn't know, I knew. I had conviction in my family when they told me no, no weapon shall prosper. Opening my eyes, this time at National Rehabilitation Hospital, which would be my home for many months after, a new wave of enlightenment has now enveloped this baby. One leg and myself in my wheelchair was my new mode of transportation. Here I am, a 24-year-old Bambi, wrapped in bandage, uh, and was learning how to walk with no foundation to work from. I woke and ended every day crying. I was a hostage to my body for 730 days. About 17,000 later, about 17,000 hours later, physical and occupational therapy went six days a week for me. Day two, we practice standing. Here I am, standing alone, using my, the armrest of my wheelchair, practicing shifting my weight to my right leg so that I can try to learn how to step again. Even though it was hard due to the, it's no feeling under my right foot, it's hard trying to stand on something that doesn't feel like it exists. It's still numb. Day 10. Things are moving along slowly but surely. I'm slowly regaining motion in my right side. I can stand pretty strongly and I've started making a few steps. I can transition easily from bed to wheelchair now and I can almost make a fist. I can also almost straighten out my fingers all the way. 
I can kick out and bring my knee to my chest and back, even though I can't bring my heel to my bottom just yet. Those were the daily tests. Luckily, hamstrings weren't needed for walking. Walking was a very big goal for me. Day 30. Today was my first day walking with the harness. I felt like Tomb Raider. It, is, it descended down from the ceiling. It was like a backpack, and it took the gravity off of me so that I could stand upright without assistance. This was the only way that I could stand upright at this point. Day 60. In physical therapy, I used something called the Exo Robot. I was a transformer now. <laughs> Metal and hinges and a sturdy backpack. It all lined my body. I even had metal underneath of my foot. I walked 400 feet today, the farthest I've walked. This thing took every ounce of energy, every muscle, and so much willpower to move it. They increased the resistance every week. Day 90, even my doctors are amazed at how quickly I'm recovering. We always use the same tools we did as compared to a couple days ago, and I always made progress. <laughs> this is one quick sidebar that I'm just remembering. My mom, every day she would come in to NRH, she would promise me something. She, she would say stuff like, by September 6th, you will be able to write. By November 5th, you will be able to pick up your cell phone. They all came true. They all came true. <laughs> My mom would tell me these things. I was like, Ma, how you know that? Like, why don't tell me these things? And she said, one day she came in and I, I couldn't even pick up my phone. She was like, go ahead and try it. I tried it. And it took me, how long did it take me, Ma? About four or five minutes, but she didn't let me stop. And I did it. <laughs> the day was finally here. As I'm rounding a full lap around the therapy gym, here, here they was, my cheerleaders from the very beginning, saying, go, Shawi, go, Shawi. My aunts, my mom, my physical therapist, my occupational therapist were cheering me on at the finish line. It's been a long time coming, but I've completed another long step in my journey, from the emergency room to being dependent on nurses and doctors in my family to eat, to breathe, to sleep, to use the bathroom, to put on my clothes. I was able to sit up on my own. I was able to stand on my own, no matter what assistance I needed at this point. Now my last goal was to be able to walk in my five-inch heels again. <laughs> so I could really show the world I was ready for my lights, cameras, and action. I passed that test and made my entrance into the world. I'm home now. 
And when I opened my eyes this time, they were glossed with tears and pain. The rose-colored lenses were gone. That spark of innocence in Shahari's eyes had turned into a radiating firefly. Warm water streaming down from the shower that felt like pins and needles on my skin, finally washing away the dry blood that my neck brace had contained up until now. I was finally able to take a shower without my neck brace. Soon after my immediate physical needs were met, reality set in. The jaws of PTSD clench so tight when they get a good grip. Every day my mind is on a battleground. I must be prepared to fight to the death every day. I don't see an end in sight. I feel empty, yet so full of emotion. Some days I feel everything at once, other days I feel nothing at all. The smallest things could push me over the edge. My demons, although I carry them quietly, are never silenced. They sit back, waiting patiently on an invitation to wait. Depression doesn't only set in at 3 p.m. At 3 a.m., Depression also sets in at 3 p.m. when you're in the middle of a lab or a conversation with friends. Anxiety attacks, intense feelings of fear and gloom, a sudden urgency to escape, run or get out, a fear that you may lose control, trembling, weakness, and so many other uh, physiological reactions. I try hard every day to keep it under wraps. Every night, the clock resets and it's time to get ready for battle again.